The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. What if the near-death experience became a truth accepted by most people? What if many people gained the ability to leave their bodies at will? And what are the chances this may happen in our lifetime? Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. As 2013 draws to a close, I'd like to take a look ahead at what we may see evolve in the next year in regards to understanding and appreciating the near-death experience. My hunch is that a sea change is about to occur in this and related fields of so-called mystical experience. For example, upcoming in January, uh, January 17th to the 18th to be exact, at Florida's Disney World, Dr. Raymond Moody, one of the founders of IANS, and the man who was primarily responsible for raising the world's awareness of NDEs through his 1970s, 1975 book, Life After Life, is holding a conference titled The Logic of Nonsense. In promoting the conference, uh, Dr. Moody uses the story of Peter Pan as a parable, parable for exploring deeper spiritual truths. And on the conference website, uh, David Randall writes, It's only when we allow our minds to give up that attachment to solely rational thinking that we can really begin to unlock Neverland. And uh, Dr. Moody, in his own comments on that site, asks, Why do so many of our deepest mysteries remain beyond the reach of reason? Well, if I weren't already booked for a trip to Costa Rica, I would certainly attend the conference. But I wonder about the implied attack on the historic mindset of rational discovery. Granted, the literal frame of language can be a trap, but haven't psychedelics, the explorations of Eastern religions, and the progress of theoretical physics and even the language of mathematics already gone in that direction? Um and Peter Pan, I wonder, wouldn't a, a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy be a better platform to launch from, better Douglas Adams than, say, James Barry? There's a quote that I love from the Hitchhiker's Guide about uh, the word infinite. Doug Adams wrote, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy offers this definition of the word infinite. Infinite. Bigger than the biggest thing ever, and then some. Much bigger than that, in fact, really amazingly immense, a, a totally stunning size. Wow, that's big time. Infinity is just so big by that by comparison, bigness itself looks really titchy. Gigantic, multiplied by colossal, multiplied by staggeringly huge is the sort of concept we're trying to get across here. Very funny book. And the common culture, too. Uh, haven't the, the nonsenses uh, of Marvel comics come to life in 3D movies? And the nonsenses of Tolkien tales and the powerful nonsense of science fiction slash religious slash philosophical movies like 
Donnie Darko or Jacob's Ladder or the Matrix trilogy, haven't they already exploded the mindset of so-called rational thought that um, that this conference seems to be taking on? Take Donnie Darko, for instance. Because he doesn't die, um, others die. And Donnie realizes that... Um, that he's uh, that that he is trapped in some sort of tangential universe. Um, science and the spiritual are deeply uh, entwined in this movie. In fact, Donnie says "Deus ex machina" as the plane falls and and the world gets straightened out again when he goes back into the primary universe. Or or, or Jacob's ladder. You know, before writing Jacob's ladder, Bruce Joel Rubin spent two years in a Tibetan monastery. And uh, Jacob's Ladder is a story of the Tibetan Book of the Dead, the hero, uh, perhaps anti-hero of the of the movie, is dying in Vietnam and yet sees his whole future life stretched out before him, is living that life. In fact, it's actually something like the interview we did uh, uh, two shows ago. Uh, it's a preview of what might have been, but of course, in this particular case. Uh, he's dying. Uh, there's a chiropractor who's a guardian angel. Um, there's the element of experimental drugs and homicidal rage because these uh, soldiers in Vietnam were given uh, bad drugs by the army to bring out their hostile side. They wind up killing each other. And so he's faced with going through the bardo. Um, and then there's the Matrix movies. Um the only way uh, not to have the have the universe control you is um, is indeed to surrender to it. This, uh, these are movies that ask the question: What is knowledge? What's control? What is free will? What is reality? The Matrix, as you probably know, uh, we are in a dream state. We are dreaming energy to uh, power the machines, and they have in uh, return created a matrixy world that is not real. That is a fantasy filled with uh, um, uh, what we would consider a normal life, and that's this is certainly not the only time that um, what reality is is um, constructed. We 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 are uh, always constructing the the matrix of our reality out of the stories we tell one another. Anyway, I thought I would dedicate this last show of 2013 to ten reasons why I think. 2014 will be a breakthrough year for the understanding and acceptance of near-death experience by the general public and, and perhaps, hopefully, by many religions as well. My first uh, of those ten on my list, I would begin with a hundredth monkey theory if it hadn't been discredited over the years and replaced to some extent by the term meme the hundredth monkey theory, is, as you probably know, is based on uh, this notion that was supposedly true of uh, when a certain number of monkeys learn to wash fruit before they eat it, that when you hit the hundredth monkey or thereabouts, suddenly monkeys all over the world uh, have gained this knowledge somehow through the through the ether, and uh, they know how that that this is this is the way they should behave. Uh, the scientists came back later and said, no, the, the research on that was faulty at best. And uh, so the hundredth monkey theory lives on in New Age talk, but really hasn't uh, got the scientific basis that it originally started with. Memes, 
Uh, a meme acts as a unit for carrying cultural ideas from one mind to another. And uh, in this Internet culture, it happens with a remarkable speed, uh, with Facebook and YouTube. Um, ideas are generated and are accepted worldwide in a matter of minutes sometimes. Tweeting is another good example. Other ways of, of looking at this transformative phenomenon is through intelligence spheres or the holographic universe. But once a discovery is made, such as how to make a new crystal, for instance, the possibility of it happening everywhere becomes inevitable. And I think the comprehension of near-death experiences is beginning to reach that point in time. Number two. With the advancement in resuscitation, many more people who might have died have been brought back to life. I see this in my hospital work as a chaplain every day. Code blues called, lives saved, and people coming back with memories of near-death experiences. Many of these uh, recovered patients report their stories about uh, out-of-body and near-death experiences much more willingly than they ever did in the past. Um the uh there was a man the other day who told me that at first he was uh terribly frightened after his heart stopped he was lost in darkness and uh, there were things pulling at him but then he emerged into the light and uh and it was wonderful and he regretted having to come back one young man who's who'd lost his uh father early in his life when he was killed in an automobile accident Suddenly, his dad was with him and giving him instructions. And though he couldn't really remember what those instructions were, he assumed that they were, don't drink and drive anymore, son. Uh, there was a daughter I spoke to uh, a couple weeks ago who told me that uh, she saw her dad, too, but that he stopped her from going into the light. He was standing there in front of me, she said, and I tried to run around him. She was almost seeing the way she was when she was a little girl, uh, trying to get past her father, uh, and he stopped her and told her she had to go back. So people who are uh, recovered uh, report their stories uh, almost um, uh, anxiously. They, they want to talk about it much more than they ever did before. The uh, chaplain I work with at uh, my hospital, who's been there for 25 years, longer than I have, uh, has heard hundreds and hundreds of stories, and, and as 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 have I. Um, today there are number three. We'll give you number three. Today there are several amazingly intelligent people who have had near-death experiences. They know in their hearts that it's real, that there's no doubt in their mind, and they are pursuing it to the next level. They're exploring the nature of consciousness. That that is the the nature of the soul or mindfulness, whatever you want to call it, where information is stored, and what does that mean for us spiritually? And Eben Alexander, the author of Proof of Heaven, is a, is a great example of that. He um, told me that his first book, The Proof of Heaven, the first um, uh, edition that he presented to the publisher was three times longer than what was finally printed. And a lot of it was uh, had to do with speculation about the nature of consciousness. The publisher didn't want to uh, take on such a, uh, a weighty theme, and so it chose to go with the proof of heaven that you've probably read. Uh, but Evan's working on his next book right now, 
and it should be uh, should be very interesting indeed. And he's not alone. There are many many people out there who are not only writing books about oh this is what I saw. They are trying to uh, explore in a rational and scientific way what did what does this really mean? What does this mean about the nature of reality, the nature of consciousness, um, the aspects of the eternal and the like? Number four, if you don't think traditional science is already exploring nonsense, try this one on for size. I was listening to public broadcasting the other day, and and, uh, the news came on. They were talking about some scientists who think that black holes are empty. Now, what does that mean? Well, the way it was explained on public radio was something like this. When something is sucked into a black hole, say you're being sucked into a black hole, you are stretched, stretched out like a thin strand of spaghetti. And when you go into that black hole, it was always assumed you were trapped there because of the intense gravitational pull. What theoretical science, at least some of theoretical science is saying right now, is that there is nothing in a black hole. And that's because you hit a door. And on the other side of that door, there is nothing, not empty space, but nothing. This is a door that ends the universe, ends reality as we know it. So that even at this, uh, at these incre- incredible uh, physical pressures and, and the immense power of gravity, when you hit that door, you become nothing as well. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Not uh, spirit. Not space, but nothing. Now, if that isn't a, a deep <laughs> exploration of nonsense, I don't know what is. Um, there's another quote from um, uh, the restaurant at the end of the universe, another Douglas Adams hit on uh, The Hitchhiker's Guide. It goes, there is a theory which states that if ever anyone discovers exactly what the universe is for and why it is here, it will instantly disappear and be replaced by something even more bizarre and inexplicable. And there is another theory which states that this has already happened. Anyway, number five. We have... Um, much going on in the way in the way of interfaith studies. There was a lot going on in the way of interfaith studies of 50 years ago, um, but today it's becoming more and more um, uh, symmetrical. Is the word that comes to mind? It's becoming more and more clear that the the real communication between the different faiths is not doctrinal, but it's the experience of mystics. It's the experience of the mystics of all religions who have uh, similar handles on the truth. Um, you can read the poetry of Rumi. You can be uh, f- familiar with the whirling dervishes, the thinking behind the Kabbalah. Um, in Catholicism, the saints, uh, Teresa of Avila, who saw the crystal palace of um, heaven, uh, much like uh, descriptions that have been given to us in near-death experience. Um, we have to think that those who have had visions at Fatima, at Magigoria, 
and all of the other sites of uh, Marian apparitions have seen something that is also um, a, a glimpse through the curtain. And these are the stories. These are the um, the places where the, the matrix of our understanding of what's on the other side comes together. We can get insight from every every religion, uh, Christianity, Judaism, Buddhism, uh, Eastern religions. Uh, it is it is uh, undeniable that the mystics are the ones that have a handle on it. Uh, we're also getting uh, insights from people who are traveling to South America to experience ayahuasca and um, other visionary drugs that, that uh, trigger. Um, communication with the other side. So, and I would include that as an interfaith study because it's, um, because it's a mystical experience. Uh, it, uh, it also ties in very neatly with what, um, with what's going on there. These studies clearly cannot be totally rational. They can't be reasoned out. Um, but the, the harmonics of the, of the similarity uh, resonates a chord that uh, speaks to most people who are open to hearing that music. Number six, the remarkable studies in quantum physics, most notably the instant communication between two particles, no matter what the distance between them. It can be light years apart, and yet if one is affected, there's no speed of light difference in, in the reaction time. The reaction time is instantaneous. Gravity probably plays some part in it, but it's not clear yet why um, this happens. But it has spiritual aspects that we can't ignore. Um, the universe is a created thing. And beyond that creation, underlying that creation, perhaps I should say, is a vibrational pattern that is uh, what we're looking at when we're looking for spiritual truth. And it's also uh, what uh, scientists are beginning to look at in terms of physics because they want to know why this happens the way it does. So um, instant communication between two particles, uh, no matter what the distance between them, speaks volumes about the shortcomings uh, of the so-called rational thought of yesteryear. And in the same light, although I've given it its own number seven, the discovery of the so-called God particle in the particle accelerator at CERN, Switzerland, uh, has, we know, many spiritual implications. This Higgs boson um, particle is what makes mass possible and was nicknamed the God particle because it is what made the Big Bang possible. Not only did it make the Big Bang possible, but by discovering this, uh, it pretty much confirms the idea of the Big Bang. Which, of course, any any uh, f- law of physics is subject to questioning and subject to to uh, new theories. And but this one, this Higgs boson, really does confirm the um, the the concept of the Big Bang, which was uh, basically described. In the Bible, in the in Genesis, as uh, God creating the universe, spoke it into creation. That's a vibration that 
when scientists first realized they were listening to a vibration at the edge of the universe, of the expanding universe, uh, some spoke of hearing the voice of God because they were listening to that outer edge vibration of the Big Bang. The Big Bang is a really interesting... Uh, I don't know if I've got time to go into um, into it, but um, there was a, uh, a scientist at... Um, uh, MIT, who uh, he was uh, had been raised Jewish, but was not particularly interested in his religion. Then he got to thinking about Einstein's um, ideas of relativity of time, and uh, when he put the whole picture together, did the mathematics on it of the um, Big Bang, and figured out that um, from the instant of the Big Bang until uh, close to today. Within the universe, there was a 13 three quarter billion years of time because of the distortion of time within um, the Big Bang itself and the expansion of the universe. And uh, outside of that, if God were standing outside of the universe, outside of creation, uh, six days, the equivalent time of six days uh, would have gone by, which of course is... The, the six days of creation is described in the in the text. Um, he was so moved by this that uh, Gerald Schroeder is his name that he uh, that he went back to his Jewish faith and uh, I believe is now teaching at a university in uh, Jerusalem. So that's uh, number seven, Higgs boson. Number eight, science fiction has probably led the parade these days toward an acceptance of multiple and parallel universes, other dimensions we can travel to, wormholes we can travel by, higher realms of knowledge, be it God or aliens or uh, the Akashic Record or overcoming uh, of the dimension of time. All of these things reached such a point of popularity in uh, in the common... Um, vernacular, that the notion of that reality is not what it appears is almost universal. Let me just mention a few of the of the movies that came to mind. Resurrection, uh, Saved by the Light, Ghost Dad, Quiet Earth, Dead Heat, um, Hearts and Souls, Dead Again, Made in Heaven, Hereafter, wonderful movie, Enter the Void, uh, a horrible movie in, in that it's a drug dealer who dies and is seeking the lowest level of reincarnation. Uh, the Lovely Bones, Dragonfly, a beautiful movie, Flatliners, Sixth Sense, and there have been hundreds of books written by people who have had uh, actual near-death experience or mystical experience along those lines. These are uh, contributing every day to uh, a great awakening <laughs> in the popular conception of what happens when we die. And uh, it, I attribute this almost uh, entirely to the, uh, uh, the... I attribute the fact that people are now willing to talk about their near-death experiences to me in the hospital to the fact that this has become a, a, a wide-open subject. No longer... Uh, they can't be shut down by their families and they can't be shut down by their religions even where they feel they um, these are in contradiction 
to uh, to their experience because they're getting so much affirmation. Um, and I t- and I give a lot of credit to our organization IONS as well for for popularizing for making um, available to people the uh, notion that they can uh, talk about this experience that they've gone through. The ability to, number nine, the ability to generate out-of-body experiences is growing to the point where anyone can now take a class and learn how to leave their body and travel through other dimensional realms. Uh, we have a, a man on our board at IONS, Gabriel Sereni, who teaches in New York City uh, how to do this. And um, I would have been trying to get him to come on the show. He's so such a busy guy, but um, he can talk about what people see on, uh, when they slip out of their bodies on the other side. It's not just looking back at this world. There are also spirits um, there that can be uh, contacted, and uh, and you can even contemplate doing missionary work. Along with that, uh, the CIA uh, has long been known to be working on remote viewing so they can do their spying. Um, They claim they no longer have government uh, employees doing that for them, but it's known that they are using private contractors for remote viewing. And probably the NSA, instead of investing billions of dollars in storing telephone records, should be uh, working on out-of-body experience as a as a way to find out what's going on in the world. In fact, they're probably already doing that. And finally, number 10, religions, most notably the Roman Catholic religion these days with the Pope, are recovering the true mystical nature of the spiritual world, that it's a world of love that we must attempt to emulate here on Earth if we are to survive as a species. As all religions come to this conclusion, it will come as no surprise that our common fate is to go right into the light of love when we die. We must accept this fact quickly. And here is where the NDE can be a tremendous teaching tool. Um, If you've been impressed with the turnaround in the Catholic Church under Pope Francis, stay tuned because I think that with this opening that he has made possible by saying no it's not it's not these uh social issues that are uh, well that's not the term i want it's not these um issues like gay marriage or um abortion that are the primary problems the problem is a lack of love and a lack of charity which is the other word for love and uh when he begins to emphasize this for the Catholics, I think it's going to catch on like wildfire with other religions who've been saying this all along, but in muted tones because they have their own denominational differences. So there may be great breakthroughs ahead in the in, in the, this coming year to advance the cause of peace and spiritual maturity. Now, this is not a brand new thing. If you want to find how it was described... 2,000 years ago, go find a copy of the Nag Hammadi's Gospel of Truth and hear about God's vibration in the world. Well, those are my 10 observations and predictions for the coming year. If I sound optimistic, it's because I am. I think the NDE will be a great contributor to bringing 
a more perfect union out of the bitter diversity the world seems caught up in right now. I hope this show and all the other work IONS does will help move forward the understanding of NDEs, OBEs, and other experiential observations of the other side. Let's keep our fingers crossed. And so for IONS and NDE Radio, this is Lee Whitting wishing you a happy new year. Tune in next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern, for more NDE Radio. Thanks for listening.